millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, folks, if there is radiant joy emanating from our voices, that is because the three of us have just sat together in Tennis Podcast Towers and watched England win through to the Euros final, a final of something for the first time in all of our lifetimes. And more. And more. So we will very much do our best to make this the Tennis Podcast because I know there are a lot of people listening, the majority of people listening, that either... (laughs) Don't give two hoots. <laughs> Either give no hoots or worse than no hoots. <laughs> or go to other people for their football analysis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That that's possible. Yeah. So we really will try and make this the tennis podcast, but if the joy in our voice isn't in keeping with uh with what we're talking about tennis wise, then you'll you'll understand why. Uh, because it's been a rather jubilant night for for England fans, us included. But before that jubilant night, we spent our whole day watching tennis and there's there's a whole lot to talk about from men's quarterfinals day at Wimbledon and one leading story, which is the three-set defeat of Roger Federer to Hubert Hurkacz. Three sets that culminated in a bagel, a six-love set, is how Roger Federer left Wimbledon today, possibly for the last time. He tells us he doesn't know if it will be for the last time. That is a discussion I'm sure we'll end up having. Um, But I've got ahead of myself because I need to ask you both, what adjective beginning with W would you like (laughs) to prefix Wednesday with? I'm not sure mine's allowed, but I'm going to try. Look away Wednesday. It's you've managed to find two words neither of which begin with w you're out the game matt um i think it's very hard to find a word that sums up all of those matches that we had if we're if we're leading with the federer i think is woeful too too harsh yes Um, is it he was he was bad he was bad. He was. He was. No, I, he was pretty woeful. He, today. he was bad, but I just feel the day isn't just about him. Okay. Um, well, I've told well, you well, the you dilemma. Came up with I've two got two words, not either beginning with W, David. <laughs> so people in glass houses and all that. I like my words. Matt, you're um, allowed another go. 
weird. Hmm. Okay. Elaborate. Well, Russia Federer lost a six-love set at Wimbledon. Yeah, it's never happened before. It's never happened before. It's his first six-love set anywhere since, I think, one that everyone remembers, his his six-love set in the Roland Garros final of 2008. Um, and look, I had Roger Federer losing in the quarterfinals of this tournament at the mm. start of the tournament. Him going out at this stage is not a huge surprise in the context of Roger Federer's life over the last 18 months um i think i felt like medvedev going out would help him um her catch was still the highest ranked player he'd he'd faced on his return and her catch played a fantastic match i think that's probably why you think woeful is is not the right word because her catch was excellent today absolutely um but this was this was a step back from Federer. I think all tournament it felt like he'd been not progressing rapidly, but taking small steps in the right direction. And I I didn't see this performance coming from him today. He was he was slow, really slow. I thought to the ball, his movement was not sharp. And whenever he did have the chance to finish the point or was in the right position, he just just missed and he missed badly there were some really shocking shocking misses either sort of spraying it wide or dumping it in the middle of the net it was it was a sad sight to be honest to see Roger Federer like that so so massively off his game but you know as I said within the context of Federer's last 18 months I don't think it should be that surprising I think Federer it's kind of his own worst enemy in terms of how we view him because if you look at the last time he came back from something, he was kind of rejuvenated and better than ever. But he said a line today in his press conference that he was hoping to be back for last Wimbledon, which obviously didn't happen because of COVID, but he barely made it to this Wimbledon. That's an indication of just how slow and long and drawn out this recovery and rehab has been post two knee surgeries aged what is he now? Thirty nine. It's it's an entirely different situation to what we had a few years ago. Mm. Such such a good point because I I pre tournament predicted that he would make it to the quarterfinals and lose. I think I had him losing to Medvedev. Mm. Me who too. Let me down yesterday. Anyway, and yet, so I shouldn't feel like this, but I do. I feel I feel shocked and really. I mean, obviously, right now I feel utterly jubilant. <laughs> But um, in the immediate aftermath of the Federer match, I felt, you know, I, I love Hubert Hurkacz. I really do. I'm so thrilled for him. But surely every tennis fan understands feeling saddened at, at one of, if not the all-time great male player, putting in a performance like that on, on his court, on the court where he has won more titles than any other male player. It's a, it's a, it's a sad, sorry sight. Yeah. Um, so uh, trying to put my finger on why exactly I feel the way I do when when I thought something along these lines would would happen I don't I don't quite know because it sounds like Federer thought something along these lines might happen as well he said you know I in amongst the sort of yeah I'm I'm really disappointed it was nowhere near good enough today he said 
Oh, but I actually did better than I expected this well, tournament. I think it's a massive achievement that he got to this Wimbledon and played it and got to the quarterfinals. Considering what he's describing to us about the road to get there. Um, but I don't think any of us expected a result and a feeling and a scoreline like that. That's the diff. That's what's different here. Is it that wasn't Roger Federer out there tonight? Mm. Not the Roger Federer we've known for the last twenty years plus. Um, at any stage, really. The, the only time I think I've ever really sort of felt like that watching him was losing the other six love set to Nadal at the French Open. Um, but that was Nadal, and that was Nadal at his peak. You know, it, these are different things, and it's it's not really very surprising. The guy's nearly 40. It's not really very surprising. It's just that reality is suspended when Federer is concerned a lot of the time. I, I I can dupe myself into believing that, well, yeah, but he's Roger Federer. He just he, he handles this. He doesn't get old. Well, of course he does. And, and it was going to happen at some point. The question mark was whether it was going to happen in front of our very eyes mm. or whether it, it was going to happen on his own practice court with him realizing, actually, I just don't have it anymore. And uh, and he may have come to that realization. He may have wanted the confirmation on a match court. Who knows? And also, this may not be him not having it anymore. I mean, he can play better tennis than this, perhaps, again. You know, it's not like this is necessarily the absolute end. Perhaps. I don't think we're going to see the Federer we know again, but he can do better than that, I would have thought. You know, he is still relatively, you know, this is still a relatively short time into his comeback. I think I, I think Haller didn't go the way he wanted it to. There was probably some signs there that Wimbledon wasn't going to go the way he wanted it to in terms of, you know, contending for the title. Question mark over appetite, though, I would say, after that press conference. He sounded mm. as though, I mean, it's blooming hard work. And we heard a bit of this from Andy Murray the other night as well, this feeling of how much more, how yeah. how often and how deep can I dig? Yeah. Well, he, he was asked straight up by Rob, Rob Maul of The Sun, was that your last Wimbledon match? Do you think that will end up being your last Wimbledon match? He said, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I need to regroup. My goal for the last year or more was always to play another Wimbledon. I was able to make it this year, which I was really happy about. We were always going to sit down after and talk about what comes next. Obviously, we'll speak a bit tonight and then again the next couple of days as well. And we go from there. It's like, what do I need to do to be in better shape and more competitive? And we go from there. Of course, I would like to play it again. But at my age, you just never know. And he was also asked about the Olympics and he said, look, I haven't taken a decision yet. I will sit down and hopefully make an announcement sooner than later. It didn't sound to me like he was going to be playing the Olympics, which is massive, actually, considering what what an omission that is from his CV. What an opportunity that is, if he is thinking in terms of the end being nigh, what an opportunity that is to go out on a high, given its best of three sets. And a depleted field. And a depleted field. The fact that he's switched clothing sponsor in a deal which is 
heavily speculated to be linked to Uniqlo, his his new clothing sponsor being um, based in Japan and their biggest market being in Japan. Um, that's pretty massive, actually. Look, he hasn't announced it yet, but it's it didn't sound to me like he was going to be going to Tokyo. Um, yeah, and I don't know... I, don't quite know what to read into that other than it can't be good he he kept reiterating that he was only concentrating on Wimbledon and then once Wimbledon's over he'll make decisions he'll and he, he stressed that he's he wants to sit down with his team and work out what he would need to do in order to be more competitive because clearly like Murray was saying not they're, they're just not prepared to accept this level and I think that that's the right thing. That's the right decision. If 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 that's what it is, if it doesn't get any better than that, then better to call it a day. Yeah, I think I think they're torn, aren't they? Because they've both put in so much work to get back to this point that you really want to push it as far as you possibly can and get everything out of yourself that you can. But you also want to time your decision right so that you're not having this feeling over and over again it's it's a it's a difficult place to be in look i think all all tournament you know we've built this tournament as a kind of now or never tournament for so many of the games greats and they've all taken some tough exits from this tournament you know serena williams roger federer andy murray you know, they, even down to Nadal not playing to try and extend his career. Yeah, there's there's a there's a tough side to playing on this late. They've all been brilliant at it, of course they have, and they've gained so much out of extending their careers. But you know, losses like this are tough, tough to take. And it's interesting that he was asked, I think, by Russell Russell Fuller, your colleague at. Uh, at BBC Radio, whether he felt that lack of matches coming in was a significant factor. And he he kind of batted that away. He said, look, I don't, I'm not sure that it is matches. He said that my body feels fine. I don't know if it's lack of matches. I just need to be a better player if I'm going to compete at the highest level. Um, so, I mean, that, yeah, that, that sounds like, yeah, again, that sounds a bit, a bit, slightly more negative, doesn't I, it? I think uh, uh, there has to be a little bit of consideration given to how raw it would have been, that press conference, as, as well as he handles those situations. He he did talk about how extremely tired he felt. He wanted a nap. Yeah. Yes, he said, uh, he take said, uh, one, Roger. I could have a nap <laughs> right now. And, uh, and Pam Shriver tweeted afterwards, you know, how she can relate to the moment you go out of a tournament. You just... All that that stress just makes you feel incredibly tired at the end of a tournament, and uh, and so he he's going to need to have a think when he's not feeling like that as well, and and all of that has to be borne in mind. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't look great. And, and does he need people around him to be honest with him? Yeah, I think and think and, he's and, got d- that. and he's got that. I think so. I think I don't think I don't think those people would. If they don't think he's got it anymore, if they don't see They'll the potential, they will tell him. Mm-hmm. I do think a big factor here, maybe not a big factor in in this result, but maybe 
in part of how Federer is feeling after it, and we mentioned it at the start of the tournament, is he doesn't have his family here. And I think for Federer that is massive. Mm. I mean, he has, he has stayed on tour because he's been able to travel with his family. That's been such a big part of why he's still been successful in into his late 30s. And I don't think he would have been able to have them... He's not going to be able to have them in Tokyo if he if he does decide to go. That could be a factor in that decision as well. I think that's got to affect how he's feeling mentally, and you know, it sound he sounded exhausted. I don't. Yeah. I, he, he said he's, he said he was feeling physically fine, but he was just exhausted. And I I took that to be kind of mentally and emotionally. And I think the circumstances of this tournament, which he's never experienced before, have probably done that to him. Well, in order to be to be fair, I have to ask you the same question I asked you about Andy Murray a few nights ago. Will we see Roger Federer play on Mumbledon Centre Court again? No. No. I think no as well. Hmm. Should we re-record the uh, st- intro to this podcast with me sounding a little bit less jubilant? <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to feel a bit incongruous. Um, should we talk about how good Hubert Hercatch was? Yeah. I mean, we are terrible at predictions. Yeah. So, yes. so. Take, take heart, Federer fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hubert Hercatch, look, he, he sent out the warning signals yesterday. That's four and a half sets he's won in two days against Roger Federer and Daniel Medvedev. He was brilliant yesterday upon resumption. And he was just rock solid today. He gives you nothing. And, uh, I mean, well, well worth it. I was, Yeah, I was so impressed with him, how, how composed he was throughout the first two sets, how ruthless he was in that deciding set when he just, you know, when Federer was there for the taking, frankly, and he, he just put him away. And he's, he's an awkward player to face. I, I really felt like he was anticipating Federer's shots today. He seemed to always be in the right place, kind of moving before Federer had hit the ball. I don't know, maybe that's a Federer-specific thing. Perhaps, you know, he, he does cite Federer as his idol, doesn't he? And I'm sure he's watched a lot of his matches. But, yeah, he's um, he's really impressed me, this mm. tournament. And as you say, David, particularly these last two days. Just, um, just very quickly, there's often a, a boxing expression used when a, a great fighter is basically pushed into retirement and it, it's that they got old in the ring one night and uh, and I always remember Muhammad Ali when I was a, about eight years old I watched him fight Larry Holmes and it was just you know it it's what come makes me come up with the words look away Wednesday because I just don't want to I didn't want to watch that final set I, did, I felt really uncomfortable watching it because it, it just you know, as well, I as think well the crowd did too. It was awkward, yeah. just, wasn't just it? Just get it over with. You know, it was like stop the fight. Mm. Yeah, we were trying to be positive about Hubert Hercatch there, David. I know, and then, look, he—he's <laughs> the one who did the job. He did the job, and he was brilliant, and he was charming afterwards as well. And he's, um, he's so unassuming, isn't he? Yeah. He looks like a bloke that works in IT. <laughs> <laughs> he's lovely, and he's ju- yeah, he's—he's just—he's just a guy that. Mm. It's hard to, be- to- hard to believe he's a semi-finalist at Wimbledon because <laughs> yeah. he just he is so unassuming. And, and I imagine this is a really big deal in Poland right now. We were oh. we were reminded of the fact that when he got to the Miami 
final earlier in the year. In fact, when he won Miami, um, Wojciech feedback was was apparently taking a hundred calls a day. He said <laughs> about Hubert Hurkacz. I mean, this is this is a bigger event than Miami, and he's just beaten Roger Federer on centre court. I imagine I imagine he's going to get a lot of attention his way, and that's great. Yeah, and he all the, the the big sort of drum roll for the big stat. Only the second pole to reach the semi-finals of Wimbledon. The first since da 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 da, Jerzy Janowicz. Oh wow! Wasn't there an all Polish quarter final that year? Wasn't it Janowicz Kubot? Kubot, yes. Unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpectedly, just plucked out the sky um, from that as well. Yeah, y- y- Jerzy Janowicz. Where is where is he now? That's a different podcast. <laughs> Lost in Lost time. Lost in time. Lost yeah. in time. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Hubert Hurkacz in the semi-finals will face Matteo Berrettini and there was such an interesting moment in his quarter-final against Felix Auger at on court number one when in the second set, um, leading with a break, Berrettini, I think Auger Aliasim, so Berrettini took the first set, Auger Aliasim had an early break in the second, squandered that, Berrettini went up a break and then the Federer score was flashed up on onto court number one and a murmur reverberated around the crowd and there was this moment when the the camera caught it, the player's eyes locked onto the scoreboard and you could see Berrettini clock it. And and he went off the boil quite considerably. I mean I you know, maybe it's just coincidence, but he really went off the ball for a bit. His arm looked stiff and he looked like 
suddenly he was experiencing the nerves that you might have expected him to be experiencing at the start of the match. Um, but he found his way back. And that's a lot of pressure he's been dealing with for nearly two weeks now. Well, maybe more than that if you go all the way back to to winning Queens, maybe in the start of Queens where he was the number one seed. He's He's dealt with a lot of pressure and he's taken it all in. Okay, he's had some little wobbles, but basically he's he's got to this semi-final mostly unscathed and I think that's very impressive. And he's improving. Mm. Uh, I, I agree with you about Queens because I, I, we followed that closely all the way and as you say, it, he, he was the top seed, the man ex- expected to make a run there and he, he only lost the one set all week and he looked like he was carrying that pressure quite heavily at the start of this tournament, and yet he still just kept bludgeoning his way through the the nerves and the anxiety. And today, I mean that that was a good performance. I thought overall, I didn't see all of it. I joined it in the third set, and he just sort of David David showed up third set. By the fourth set, he was asleep on the sofa. I did have a little nap. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no no offense, Matteo, but he just sort of wrestled it off. And I I did feel like it was watching a man against a young developing man, Mm. really. Um, is going to get bigger and stronger. He's just turned 20 years old. Um, He's a a great physical specimen in his own right. But Berrettini is in his prime, I would say, physically. And he's probably going to have two or three more years being like that. But... I don't think he'll ever be physically any better than he is right now. And he just had too much raw power and strength and durability in the end. Mm. Felix was was good, though. You know, he showed up. It oh, wasn't sure. It wasn't like one of his eight finals. No, where it wasn't final, Felix. It was, exactly. He didn't underperform I don't think he showed up big step this fortnight yeah absolutely and I don't I don't think he will leave with with any negative mental baggage as as he has done from the these finals that he keeps losing because we've got to the stage now with those where it's the positive of having reached the final is outweighed by the negative of the record he now Mm. has in those finals I don't I don't there's no negatives from this run. It is only a huge leap forward. Yeah, and he's he's really showing something on grass. You know, the, okay, there's the negative of losing the Stuttgart final, but he got there. I think he reached the semis of Halle and now a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. That's a very solid grass court season for someone who hasn't spent that much time on the surface, perhaps... Perhaps this could be his his best surface at the moment, um, or maybe just relatively to other players, he's he's better on it. But yeah, a really really promising month for Australia's team, which he needed because mm. the clay was not was not kind to him. No, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that relationship with Uncle Tony or Tony. <laughs> not your Uncle Tony. They're, they're still together, but obviously Uncle in brackets, Tony hasn't been at Wimbledon this fortnight, which, you know, a lot of coaches have, haven't have because they're restricted to only two players in an entourage. But, um, yeah, w- will be interesting to see what happens over the course of the uh, the remainder of the summer. Um, don't worry, Canadians, you do have representation in the men's semifinals in the form of Denis Shapovalov. 
who threw himself over the line somehow, 6-4 in the fifth over Karen Hatchinov. And, yeah, I felt like I needed to lie down after this one. <laughs> I, I watched pretty much every point of it, and it was... <sighs> Shapovalov gave us every version of himself from the last yes. five years during those five sets. Yes. He did, yes. I think the best thing about his performance was that he didn't get as frustrated as we did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There was some... Because I I felt he was the better player pretty much throughout the whole match. Oh, yeah. I think think the sets he lost... That's what was so frustrating. I think the sets he lost, he pretty much threw away. I I did think Hatchinoff played well in the second set in particular, but there were just some poor games from Shapovalov, which, look, throwing it ahead to Djokovic, he can't afford to have. Mm. Djokovic will punish those, but... He did very well today to not get frustrated by those games. His attitude was excellent. He actually cited that match that, that you mentioned the other night, David, against uh, Pablo Crenia Busta at the US Open, where he said, I got into a fifth set there and I just gave it away. And I was very focused today and made sure that I didn't play a poor start to the fifth set. So that's, you know, that's good, good experience that he's drawing on there. Um, it was an old match because I felt like Shapovalov needed to go for it less and Hatchinov needed to go for it more. <laughs> they sort of, they're, they're opposites in that, mm. in that respect. Um, and then there was, there was the weight of, they both knew the opportunity they had, you know, trying to reach a first Grand Slam semi-final against someone who's also trying to do that. That must be an opportunity. And then I think from a, viewer's perspective I really struggle to view matches in isolation I'm always looking ahead at the draw and I was looking at this match thinking well the winners playing Novak Djokovic obviously it's a big deal for them to win this match but how do I really invest in this match if I just know that Novak Djokovic is waiting in the next round I know that's incredibly harsh and that's probably the wrong way of looking at draws, but that is how, I don't know, that's the effect Djokovic has on a draw for me. Um, So I find it difficult to really judge how good this match was because it was certainly tense and in the balance and I love all of that, but I was just just always thinking about the next round and just Mm. thinking, well... Djokovic is going to be there but obviously it's a big it's a big big breakthrough for Shapovalov and yeah I I feel similarly torn about it it's a huge breakthrough and look it is absolutely a match that he could have lost and and might well have lost six months ago 12 months ago more than that um so he deserves tremendous credit for it and as you say he did keep his head when he could have really boiled over because yeah, there was reason to be extreme. <laughs> I can vouch for there having been reason to be extremely frustrated <laughs> at various points in that match. But equally, I mean, if he plays like that, he won't won't get close to Djokovic. I mean, he, you know, he'll he'll have he'll have games and spells where he looks sublime, and you think, oh, hello. But it'll be little spells, and it'll be you know seven five six four six three, um, and it'll look vaguely competitive, but. He'll have no chance of winning um, because Djokovic just just weathers these players that have brilliant spells. That's just meat and drink for him. He absolutely knows that they can only keep it up for a certain period of time, even the best ones. 
and he'll just outlast them and and strangle them and yeah and deny them deny them the opportunity to flourish so i i felt the same conflicted I, I felt many feelings during this match. I found I found and, it and look, very frustrating. And, watch. That, and that is one of the great things about Shapovalov. We feel things because yes, we I, care about his tennis. Yes, I, that's why I love sport. I love sport that makes me feel things. And I, they weren't all good, but I felt things. The good news is I, I didn't see much of the match, so I didn't get the ups and downs. I only got the good bit at the end <laughs> um, from a Shapovalov perspective. Um, and I, my takeaway of it is. A lot more positive, and maybe it's just because I didn't have to live that. Uh, mine is that he got over the line when so often he hasn't in the past. For and, sure. And I view it like England reaching this final tonight. It's okay to lose to Italy. I know it's not what you want or what we want. And it's and and David, she, no, is it okay? Yeah, it is. is. That, yeah, it no. is. It wouldn't have been okay to lose to Denmark, and it wouldn't be okay for Denis Shapovalov to lose to Karen Hatchinov. But it is okay to lose to Novak Djokovic. No, I hate that. No, it, I hate that. If he's thinking it, I hope. I didn't say he is thinking it. Don't listen to this he's podcast. He isn't thinking he's it. He's not thinking it. The point. My point is that when he comes yeah, out of Wimbledon, that's having, just so no, not when, when he, when to he, think like no, that. No, look. The point is when he comes out of Wimbledon. If he's lost to Novak Djokovic, that is not a disaster. Had he lost today. He is. He has made zero progress in his he, career. If he loses Novak Djokovic in, in two days' time, I don't want him to go. Oh, well, it was Novak. Djokovic. I want him to be Sitsipas style I'm, devastated. I'm not by him. It. I can say it. He can't. I can say, as an onlooker, that he has already made progress in his career. Don't you think it depends how he loses? No. I I think it depends. How He's he never loses. reached a Grand Slam semi final before, and he could very easily have done what he did against Karina Buster. Yeah, look, started I, slowly it, in set number it's five. It's a breakthrough, but lo- I think there's still something up for grabs in terms of, of what I take from Shapovalov this tournament. Even assuming he loses to Djokovic on on Friday, there, which there, I there am. are levels, there are different levels for sure of what you take from it. But it's already a success versus anything else he's done in his career. And yeah. I think he has, and I also think he wasn't as good today as he was the previous two rounds when he showed a level of maturity to go with his skill that I'd not seen before as well. So actually, and, and going into this match against Djokovic, the other thing that struck me is these on-court interviews, he's handling very well. He's good at those in order, in, in terms of connecting with a crowd. Mm. They adore him. And Imagine it on Friday if he gets off to a decent start. If he starts to buzz out there, the crowd are going to go with him big time. Mm. Yeah. And he- that could be very interesting to see how Djokovic handles it. Now, we know he's brilliant at winning even though they're against him, but it could be incredibly one-sided in terms of the crowd because of what Shapovalov is like. I think it could be really interesting and exciting for a couple of sets. Yeah, I think it's that's probably about right. Just a quick aside, you mentioned the on-court interviews there. I'm not sure we've talked about the fact that Wimbledon is doing on-court interviews this year for the first time. Apparently it's for COVID reasons because they used to be conducted 
um, in the bowels of centre court, indoors, obviously. And because the players are in a bubble mm. separate to the broadcasters, they're only allowed to have even socially distanced contact with the players in the open air. Mm. So, But I'm sure it's something they'll keep. Yeah. I, I think it's a massive it. win, isn't it? Yeah. An open goal. Yeah. yeah, for them. Absolutely. Uh, well, spoiler alert, folks. Novak Djokovic <laughs> is through to the semi-final. There's, there's not a lot to talk about well, there, I'm afraid. I, I don't think Catherine and I saw a ball of this. Well, you didn't. Because we knew you were commentating on it. You, oh, so you didn't bother. <laughs> I, I listened to quite a lot of it while oh. I was making my frittata, David. I, I hope I made it sound better than it was to watch. I mean, look, and that's nothing against Polish Djokovic. Polish that turd. Djokovic won in straight sets, but even he didn't play that well. Um, and he did a, He did enough. It struck me just how challenging it is for him to find a reason on the spot to get inspired. and to. F- there was no threat Martin Fucevic did not put him under any real pressure at any point in that match, even though he got it relatively close in the, in the one set, but uh, it made it respectable in the first when he was five love down. But he's just he didn't have anything to hurt Djokovic with. He's like not as good a version of Novak Djokovic, really, the way he plays. He's, he's careful, he's measured, he's a good player. He deserved his place in the quarterfinals, but... You could see how flat Djokovic was, and he's having to try to manage this match when when there's no real threat to his future unless he capitulates. Um, I, I think Djokovic will get way better at some point in this tournament. Friday. Yeah, I think I think Friday could be quite tense for him. I think it could. I think that could be a bit of a, a tense one. I think he'll still win, but I think the crowd. And all the rest of it could get him tense. But then I think he will find a way. And then I suspect in the final, you'll see the real him. So are we expecting Djokovic-Berrettini final? I think I probably am. Yes. Um, But I would need to look up the head-to-head Hercatch-Berrettini, see if they've played before, whether there's anything to go on there. That does feel... Pretty close, actually. Yeah. Well, I, I felt Berrettini from the start of the tournament, but I didn't know that we were going to get her catch playing like this. And that's mm. like we talked about the four sets in a row. Um, he's he's a real threat to to anybody except Djokovic, and he may even be against Djokovic. But yeah, I don't I don't think, I don't think if he plays well, I don't think Berrettini will love that. Who? who I'm jumping ahead. I'm, I'm guilty of doing it again. Who would Djokovic, assuming he beats Shapovalov, rather face mm. in the final? Because I, I do think Berrettini, you think, okay, has the weapons to hurt Djokovic, but he also has the weaknesses that Djokovic can hone in on and exploit. I think Hercatch maybe has a bit more, is a bit more well-rounded than Berrettini. There's fewer holes to to aim at and I, I can't think of them playing other than at Wimbledon where a couple of years ago where Hercatch did get a set off Djokovic they and made split it close. the first two it was a 7-5 and 6-7 first mm. two sets mm. yeah not Umber 
which is who who I, I credited with that set <laughs> so, against so Djokovic. So um, yeah, I, I think there is quite a strong case actually that um, Djokovic would rather face Berrettini in terms of game styles. You could you could possibly argue that Berrettini might deal with the occasion better, but Hercatch is a Masters one thousand winner. He dealt with facing Roger Federer on centre court today like it was. Like it was a breeze. He's so. a bit of a disruptor, isn't yeah. he? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't get talked about very much. A bit like Sophia Kenin or someone just like that. pops up every now and then and does something. He's just there. And oh, look, he's just beaten <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas or he's yeah. just beaten Daniel Medvedev. Um, I, I think overall, just Berrettini's built-up self-belief with all of these mm. wins is, is, makes him the favourite for that match and the bigger threat to Djokovic in the final. So those two semi-finals, the men's semi-finals, will be played on Friday. Tomorrow, Thursday, we have the women's semi-finals. They start at one thirty on centre court. And we begin, bit of a surprise, this order of play, perhaps be- with the Australian audiences in mind. We begin with Ash Barty against Angelique Kerber, the guaranteed surefire humdinger of a match. <laughs> and look... We need one. I must say this. Yeah, we do. This tournament was fantastic, I thought, through six days. And this second week has been a little bit flat. Yes. Good, you know, great match wise. We've been a bit short. But obviously it's fine because that's going to be epic. Yeah, (laughs) it's all fine. And it is followed by Karolina Pliskova against Arena Sabalenka. Who's going to win those? Well, I'd go Barty and um, Sabalenka. I have a Kerber feeling. I have a Kerber feeling. Fine, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I've, I'm I'm going to go Kerber and Sabalenka. Yeah, I, I do I do feel like Sabalenka's going to going to get the better of that second second semi final. The first one, it, it as long as it's a great match, it doesn't matter. As long as no. tennis is the winner. Well, it would be great. As I, I, I ultimately, I agree with you. Just want a great match, but I would I do feel like. Barty and Sabalenka have got a bit of a rivalry going. Yes. They have. That's and I, very I do true. like that the idea of Ooh. that. Dare I say for the movement? <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Okay, sold. Sold. Okay. Uh, shall I update you on a bit of doubles? Yes, please. Uh, in the women's doubles, we have Sue Shea and Lisa Mertens reaching the semi-finals. They won today in straight sets against Krunic and Stojanovic. In the men's doubles, Rajiv Ram, Joe Salisbury, a three to the semis. They beat Cabal and Farah today. 7-6 in the third. That is a great win. Was that played in best of three? No. So yes. three sets, 6-3, six, 6-4, three, six, seven, six. Oh, the okay. I think the first two rounds were reduced to, mm. to best of three. Yeah. Uh, in the mixed Doubles, we had Jean-Julien Roger and Anna Klepach winning through today. Joe Salisbury and Harriet Dart are still in the mix, so Salisbury's on for the, the doubles double. That'd be big. Uh, Aoyama and Shibahara are through to the women's doubles semi-finals. What a year they are having, and with um, Tokyo around the corner as well. They beat Burshkova and Hrodechka in the quarters today. Day. Caroline Dolhide and Storm Sanders through to the semis. 
as are there must be another well here we go oh Kruchikova and Siniakova lost today 9-7 in the third to Kudamatova and Vesnina. Wow, I bet that was good. Yeah. So those are your women's doubles semi-finalists. Finalists, uh, Neil Skubski and uh, Desiree Kravchik are through to the quarters of the mixed as well, as are Nicole Melikan, Edouard Roger Vasselin. Uh, I think that might be it for doubles results from today. We'll keep you updated over the coming days. In the juniors, I think Leo Borg is still in. Oh, mm. we need to go and have a look at him. He He's getting press demands like his dad. He's always popping up on the WhatsApp group. Leo Borg on his way to the main room. Well, no, Don't tell says, Carolina Pliskova. It just says Borg. There <laughs> yes. was one the other day, Borg, Corda. What's going on? <laughs> oh, by the way, somebody wrote in to say that uh, Peter Corda, in his, I guess, 50s now, has a, a striking resemblance to the main character in Cobra Kai. Have you watched Cobra Kai yet? I've been busy, David. <laughs> right, that's a no. <laughs> but I, I do pledge to check it out. Uh, number one court tomorrow is double central. We've got a men's double semi-finals, Nikola Mektic, Mate Pavic, the top seeds who've just been winning everything this year and they had to withdraw from the French uh, because of COVID, didn't yes, they? Yes, of course. Uh, so they'll play Ram in Salisbury on court one tomorrow, so that'll be good. And then it's uh, mixed doubles. Oh, Jeremy Shardy and Naomi Brody. Yeah. Oh. It's great. And Didn't they, know about that. Well, and Jeremy is a, a London resident, isn't he? He's local. Yeah. yeah. Shout loud enough and he'll hear you. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, that's lovely. Um, and the the girls and the boys are still quite early stages, so uh, we won't get too carried away about about Brits um, getting through to round number two in the juniors because we've got other British success to celebrate. We don't need to clutch at any straws tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, what a night it's been. I've uh, I've popped I've popped the match on again, so we're just going to sit here and we're about to get two one up again. <laughs> rewatch it. Um, wow. What what a day it's been. Yeah, we could do with a great match tomorrow. I mean, look, there's there's no shortage of stories and interest, but it it feels like we'd do a great, great match. Yeah. And don't worry, folks. It's coming. Mm. It's coming. Um, and by, by the way, home. Um, coming home. And, 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 and you know what? Won it, don't you? It's Billie Jean King getting on the phone to Gareth Southgate. I, I, I'm guessing because if, if she said to him what she said to us in a video call, then... This is David's really roundabout, not-so-humble way of telling the listeners that uh, at the end of full time, before extra time in the football today, we received a video call from Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss uh, to just give us a pep talk. Yeah, cheered us right up. <laughs> it really didn't did. It? Uh, yeah, it was mostly just David and Billie, Je- Billie Jean being endlessly positive whilst Matt and I sat on the sides having an existential crisis. <laughs> she was telling England to serve and volley and go for it and not wait for a tie-break tie stroke penalty. Yes, and it really worked out. So yes. always listen to Billie Jean King. That's what we've learned. That's, that's what Billie Jean's been doing today. She's... She's passed out behind us. She's absolutely spark out. It's 
Football is a lot for Billie Jean. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of noise. And she's had a rival today. She's had a rival, house. yeah. It's been a two-dog day in Tennis Podcast Towers. We had lovely Luna visiting us. She was fuming. She she was competing for David's <laughs> attention. So, uh, yeah, busy day for Billie Jean. Uh, unsuccessful day for Zeus again. Apologies, Zeus. And for Scousel Mousel. Oh, I got yes. a win, didn't I? You are now top of the oh, leaderboard, come David. On. Well, we won't dwell on that. Chris Albert Lee is our <laughs> executive producer. Mocha is our lovely Wimbledon mascot. And Matt Savis with shout outs. Baratini and four, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, lovely. We have Michael Cleary. Right, Michael. Oh, hello. Right, Michael Scott out of the US office. Yes. Which Catherine and I sort yes. of slightly bonded over in about 2007 when we both <laughs> realised we're the only people each of them knew who had ever seen it. Yes, now everyone's seen it. Yeah. Late adopters. Exactly. I feel like the, there are tennis players. Michael Russell. Yes. Was a tennis player. Michael Chang. Michael Chang. <laughs> More <laughs> successful. Yeah. Julie Woodcock. Right, Julie. Hello, Julie. Hello, Julie. Any Julie tennis players? Hmm. Oh, there's an umpire, Julie Kendley. <laughs> okay. There you go. I was, isn't Julie Heldman? Yes, one of the original one nine. One of the original nine. Brilliant. Yes. But also Julie Kendley, <laughs> the umpire. Marvellous. Thank you so much for your support, both of you. And we have Jose Angelico, or oh. Jose oh. Angelico, perhaps. Wow. Oh, hello. That is the coolest name we've had all day. (laughs) (laughs) Out of three names. (laughs) No offence to Michael and Julie. Angelico's, that's that's brilliant. It makes me think of Angel Delight, which is just a wondrous product. Tastes like childhood. Um, right, we're going to go and uh, jump up and down and sing <laughs> and uh, just put the telly on plus one so we can watch this all over again. It's been an absolute treat. We'll be back with you tomorrow to digest and dissect the match of the tournament. So uh, we'll speak to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.